everybody. This is Mom and Sam's podcast. Hi, I'm Mom's kid, and I wish Mom didn't do this podcast and spent more time with us. Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk Vegan Podcast, hosted by the Shorky Sisters. Repping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, the first ever vegan World Naturals Bikini Pro, coach, author, and blogger, who's got an ass that's out of this world. Repping the busy, tired moms of the world is Sarah, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and unlock the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the 44th episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. I am your childless host, Sam Potty Mouth Shucky. And I am Sarah, blessed with the gift and innocent beauty of my two perfect children, Shorky. And by the way, I used to be a potty mouth, but now the C word means crap, which is far from the actual C word. And together, we are finally getting around to doing an entire episode all about families and transitioning children and families to a vegan diet. Very exciting. Thank you. Yes, this is a topic that we actually get asked about quite frequently from not only our podcast listeners, but our clients as well. And unlike me, apparently a lot of yous use kids like kids. Actually, I, I do like your kids, Sarah. I don't like many kids, but I do enjoy your children. Sometimes. I especially like your sweet little daughter. Real nice. I'm glad the <laughs> kids don't listen to this podcast. Well, it's only because she actually hugs me. Your little prick of a son, however, does not <laughs> and hasn't in years. That's true. Unless I bring him a present and uh, tell he him begrudgingly he... hugs you. Yeah, tell him he cannot have it until he hugs me. <laughs> It's a good, good tactic for anyone out there who's needing some child love. Yeah, he probably doesn't like you very much either. Yeah, no, fair enough. I am always weird Sam and her weird vegan food. Mm-hmm. But anyway, since this is a topic that I cannot really contribute much to, we thought it only appropriate that we bring our good friend Shoshana Chaim onto the podcast and get her advice on raising vegan kids. And for those of you hardcore vegan podcast junkies, you might already know of her. She is the voice and host of the Plant Trainers podcast. Podcast, and she co-hosts, I would say it's it's a very family-oriented, not-so-jacked-on-the-beanstalk, potty-mouth-style podcast. It's very vegan health and wellness-oriented, and she co-hosts it alongside her hubby and business partner, Adam Chaim. Can you tell I really enjoy saying their last name? Chaim. Chaim. Yes, I quite enjoy it. It's fun, right, Sarah? Yes. You want to get one in there? Chaim. Everybody now. Chaim. Chaim. Anyway... 
So Adam's vegan origin story is actually quite a fascinating one in itself. Mm. I'll give you the short story of it. Basically, he was diagnosed with a kidney tumor several years ago and was actually able to significantly reduce it and improve his health simply by switching over to a plant-based diet. And they actually have a really cool story to share about the transition of their family as Shoshana was four weeks pregnant when they received this tumor diagnosis. And unlike Adam, who went vegan literally overnight, Shoshana had a very different approach. She took much longer to fully convert. And you guys can absolutely read the full story on their website at planttrainers.com, which we will of course link up in the show notes for this episode. But basically, since Adam's inspiring vegan transformation, they've kind of made it their life's work to help other couples and families go plant-based and more importantly, teach them how to thrive on a vegan diet. And I was lucky enough to meet Shoshana in person in the real world this summer through our good pal Amy Longard, who's actually been featured on both of our podcasts. We were at a Nation Rising event and protest that was featuring Australian vegan activist, legend, and total babe, James Aspie. He was there to speak. And Shoshana had driven down from Toronto to Ottawa for the event with her young daughter. And I remember thinking that it was super cool for her to drive down with her daughter just to connect with other like-minded people and teach her child the importance of speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And of course, after I learned about her story and her husband's health journey, I thought it was really shocking to learn that she was originally super apprehensive about jumping on board the vegan train. And now here she was, full-on marching and participating in a peaceful protest at Parliament Hill with her young daughter. And of course, once I learned that she was a fellow vegan podcast junkie, well, as you guys can imagine, I immediately took a liking to her. Yeah, I instantly took a liking to her during our interview with her. I feel like she had a lot of helpful tips and information for, you know, families out there trying to make the transition. Yes, but you totally just screwed up the entire episode because now everyone knows that we recorded this intro after we did the interview. But in the interview recording, if you'll remember, we said, we already gave everyone some background info in the intro. So way to go, Sarah. Thanks a lot. Right. I screwed up. Yeah, good job. I say? Although for the record, this is actually highly unusual. It's the first time we've ever done that. We yeah, always true. write the intro before the interview, uh, just in case anyone gives a crap. Z word. Who really cares? Let us get on to the interview already, shall we? Here it is, guys. Vegan mom extraordinaire Shoshana Chaim from the Plant Trainers podcast. Enjoy. Welcome, Shoshana Chaim, to the podcast. And everybody, this is a special treat because this is the first interview that we have done remotely. And Sarah gets to be here for the interview as well instead of just me doing them. So very exciting times. But I did already give everybody a little bit of an intro to who Shoshana is. So let's dive right into the interview. This is our first episode where we're addressing children. Boring for those of us who don't have kids but I know so many of our listeners are part of a family and struggling moms to figure out what to feed their new vegan children or transitioning vegan families so Shoshana Chaim 
makes the perfect guest for this episode. So first, Shoshana, why don't you tell us a little bit about just how stressful of a time it must have been for you being four weeks pregnant, finding out that your husband and business partner, Adam, had a tumor, and then him immediately making the choice to go vegan. Like, where was your head at when all of this was going on? And how did you deal with it? Well, stressful wasn't exactly strong enough of a word to to explain what was going on. I was a mom. I had, you know, I had the baby blues. I had all those. I was medicated after my kids came out because, you know, I couldn't deal with life and it wasn't my fault. And and that's just what it was. So, you know, I already was coming from this place of stress. And then all of a sudden I find out, boom, my husband might not even be at the birth of my child. And I was literally like a two-year-old in a grocery store throwing a tantrum because I couldn't have like the cocoa pebbles. I was like (laughs) on my bed like with my fists and my feet and I just remember these huge tantrums being at home in Montreal and in my childhood room and my parents there and Adam there and just like throwing tantrums like a two-year-old but I couldn't really help it and that's kind of where it was and then things kind of settled down and I was learning how to cook and I had a kid already and another one had just popped out and then all of a sudden we'd become gluten-free because my son had severe eczema all around his eyes was all like cracking and bleeding we show pictures of it in the slides in the presentations that we do and he couldn't sleep at night and he had behavioral issues so we'd become gluten-free to try to deal with that and like and six- that was all bait from gluten well 60 percent of it cleared up whether it was from the gluten or not we don't know but taking away the gluten cleared that up about 60 percent in, wow. you know, in a few months like i'd say like three to five months it did a really good job but his gut needed a lot more healing and once we took out the dairy once we took out the eggs we saw a huge difference and he's able to eat some gluten today we only really see flare-ups when he's eaten too much gluten or you know that change in weather and it gets a little dry but nothing like he had before so there was a lot of healing that needed to happen in his body and And was this before adam had decided to go vegan that you were dealing with the gluten intolerance with your son yeah, so Adam decided to go vegan after Jordan was born. So she was about six months old or something when when we did that. So he had gone gluten free with Russell a couple of months before that. So I was already learning just how to cook in general. I didn't know how to cook. And then all of a sudden, I had to learn how to cook gluten free. And then all of a sudden, I had to be gluten free vegan. When he said he wanted to be vegan, I was like, what is that? Is that some kind of vegetarian? Like, I kind of knew, but I didn't even really know. I didn't understand any of that stuff before. And I was just like out of my mind. And I was like, well, you know what? You're going to eat fish once a week because let's face it, it's not a real animal. That was my thinking back then. And you're going to eat chicken on Fridays because we're Jewish and that's what we do. And I don't know what to feed you the rest of the week. So that's just what you're going to do. And Friday came along and he cut a piece of chicken and he put it towards his lips and he put it back down on the plate, pushed his plate right into the middle of the table, like a three-year-old saying, no, mommy, no. And um, he he just said, no, I'm done. And he went into the kitchen and just made himself whatever he could. And that's just how it happened. And I had no choice. But he was really good, I must say. I kind of said, I don't know what to feed you. So you've got to help me out here. So he did a lot of the cooking for himself on his own. 
Okay. Now, did he did he really research a vegan diet and kind of take on the role as the chef in the house until you kind of got your bearings? Or was it a learning process together? It was definitely a learning process together. So he had done more of the research than I had at that point. Although I had seen Forks Over Knives and I had read certain books, but he really took on that role. The other thing that kind of fell into our lap, you know how things kind of happen on purpose? He had started following a couple of people on Twitter and there's a raw vegan chef. He's not raw vegan anymore, but he was doing all raw vegan at the time. Doug McNish, maybe you've heard of him or seen him. So Doug was putting out a tweet to say, hey, I need some recipe testers. Is anybody interested? So Adam's like, shush, want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be part of a cookbook. Why not? So we decided to start testing out a lot of his recipes. And in doing that, it ended up feeding us at the same time. So we didn't have to go researching. We kind of just made what was given to us. Oh, so you did start out as raw vegans then? No, that was just the recipes that he was giving. So like we would have broccoli and rice and all these other dishes on the table. Like I was still eating meat and the kids were still eating meat. But the side dishes and Adam's main meal were just happened to be these raw meals. But he was still eating cooked food too. Okay, so how did then the transition from Adam being vegan, and then you kind of went second? And then at what point did you decide that it made sense to make the kids vegan as well? It's not semantics, but we really were plant based at first. Like that was really where it was coming from. You know, we we were still buying leather bags and we were still, you know, doing all these things. We weren't thinking of ourselves as vegans. We were thinking Mm -hmm. of ourselves as a healthy vegan diet, so more plant-based. But it probably took me about six to eight months to really get on board completely. So although I kind of, I was reading and I was watching and I was listening and I was thinking and meditating on all of this and I gave up meat quite quickly. I still gave the kids fish and meat outside of the house. Like if we were out with the grandparents or if they were at the grandparents house, they they would just eat whatever. I became a vegetarian quite quickly. So in about six to eight months, I got on board full time. I worked at a school at the time. So I was a kindergarten and phys ed teacher for over 15 years. And the school had pizza lunch on Fridays. And it was a Jewish school. So we had, you know, that challah egg bread. We had challah bread every Friday also for for like the little Shabbat ceremony. And I couldn't get off that. So it was like every Friday was my day of dairy and and eggs and maybe an egg sandwich on the weekend. But otherwise, I was pretty much plant-based throughout the rest of the week. I just couldn't let go of that food that was just right in front of me and so easy to eat. And I promised myself that I would have a steak on my birthday every year. And (laughs) like, you know, like I could do it, but I want a steak on my birthday every year. So I went fully plant-based 100% in May. And by the time November came around, I was done. There was no need for any steak ever again. Well, I love that that was your approach because that's sort of what I recommend to my clients who are trying to transition or anyone who asks me about how do they become vegan. So I'd love to know if that's sort of the approach that you guys take in your own coaching business. And, um, you know, I always say baby steps is the best thing for long term sustainable changes rather than doing the, you know, black or white. Okay, and we're changing our entire lives overnight. Let's do this. I agree with you 80% of the time for most people, you know, that's the way it needs to go. Once we sell ourselves, no, you can't have anything, your subconscious kicks in and they're like, no, I want it, give it to me now. But Adam is an overnight kind of person. He literally gave up everything 
in 12 hours. So like once he decided he was just done. So I really think that it comes into personality. People might be planning a trip and don't want to ruin their trip, but want to go 100% when they get back. You know, some people want to do it one meal at a time. Some people want to do it one item at a time. Some people want to do it before they bring their kids on board. So it really depends on what's going on in that person's life. But 80% of the time, yeah, if you don't take everything away right away, people will do a lot better in the long run. So your husband's situation is quite unusual. You know, I mean, he had this tumor, you thought that was was the end kind of thing. And then just based on diet, everything turned around. I'm interested to know the time period in, in which that kind of happened. But in your coaching, have you come across other stories like this, like severe health issues that were fixed by diet alone? In terms of what happened with Adam, he went overnight, it had been a while. So he was still being monitored with the tumor, you know, every two months and every three months. But from the time that he decided to go completely plant based to one year's time, we ate pretty clean, we probably eat a little bit more vegan junk food now than we did back then. But he didn't do a raw diet, he didn't do juicing, he didn't do smoothies only, he didn't do any high protein vegan diet or anything like that. He just kind of ate really clean, a clean vegan diet mixture of raw foods and cooked foods and whatever it was on the table and the occasional pizza without cheese here and there. And from one year's time, he went in for his checkup and they said, what other doctor are you seeing? What medication are you taking? And what treatments have you done? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't done any of that. And they're like, well, your tumor is shrinking. And he was like, wow, that's when we knew that this was for real. And then he went back to check. He had had an eye exam done also. They thought that maybe he had Van Hippolindo, which is all little tumors deposited through your brain and spine, your central nervous system. So he had gone to an ophthalmologist to look through the eyes to see if there were any tumors forming in the brain. And thank goodness there weren't. But what she told him is that he had developed stages of heart disease at the age of 37. So he went back to do that same exam again. And again, the slides that we show in our presentations is just crazy because the arteries are so much more open. The blood flow is so much darker. Um, You don't see it tapering off. You see the blood and the arteries continue going. So his heart disease had cleared up as well. So those are some of the big things that we saw with him other than energy and recovery and not needing massages after his long runs anymore. Really inspiring to know that he wasn't even necessarily, you know, full on raw vegan doing juices all day long, yet he still had such a dramatic transformation on his health. And he was still eating the occasional junk food and, you know, just by cutting out the animal products. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, the the tumor was benign, right? So, so he wasn't like in a stage four situation where it was like, oh my gosh, but what he really did was he took out the foods that were harming him. And he ate more of the foods that were healing him. And nature just took its course his body work the way it should. And I see that with a lot of my clients as well. So I had a woman who was obese, she had back pain, she couldn't sleep in her own bed, she'd wake up at like two in the morning and go have to go sleep in the lazy boy. And she had type two diabetes, she didn't even want to go fully, fully vegan, she went vegetarian, she followed protocol, within two weeks, she was sleeping in her bed for a full night without any discomfort. And within six weeks, she was off all of her insulin. And when she stayed compliant, that's what was happening. Her body just needed to eat that way. Could she have made better progress had she went 100% plant based or vegan? Probably. But you know, these are the things that we see with our clients, they're able to 
thrive. Another client who had severe IBS to the point where she'd have to stop the car wherever she was to to go. And, you know, within two weeks, she wanted to cancel her colonoscopy that she had because she was following protocol because she was doing what she was supposed to do. And her body just needed a plant based diet and functioned so much better on it. But as soon as one little drop of milk in that coffee came in, it started all over again. Her body didn't have enough time to heal. And it reacted pretty nastily. So I I did mention in the intro for this episode that how I met you and even found your vegan podcast, which is the Plant Trainers podcast, was through the Nation Rising event that happened here in Ottawa in the summertime, where we were both there to hear James Aspie speak. And you would come down with Jordan, your little daughter, and it was ridiculously hot that day. And not exactly the most riveting entertainment for a small child, but your daughter was so cute and she was so well behaved and and actually having a lot of fun and holding her little protest signs. So I'd love for you to talk like how did you get her to that point? How old is she? And how do you explain veganism and the purpose of an event like that to her? So she's eight years old, and she's always super excited to come with us on these veg fests and, and all of that. It, she's super excited to the point until she gets there and gets bored, and then she just wants to leave. So she did do really, really well that day, I especially considering how hot it was. So I'm super impressed with her. And um, when I told her that I was speaking to you, she's like, oh, I know her. And my son's like, who's that? She's like, it's okay. I know her. She She's the girl from Ottawa. She's jacked. And I'm like, <laughs> but um, you know, she, she, she picked up a lot that day. We talked to them about veganism and being plant-based a lot. And a lot of times I like to practice what I preach. But I think in this case, do as I say, don't do as I do. I, I'm really confusing with my children sometimes about veganism and plant-based and the way that we run our lives because I'm still struggling with what are my labels? You know, even with my podcast, like what are my labels? What do I believe in? Am I vegan? Am I plant-based? Am I just living with compassion? How do I categorize myself? And is that category so important? So my kids will go, we're vegan, we're vegan, we're vegan. And I'll be like, guys, I don't know if we're vegan. We're, we're compassionate. No, we don't buy leather. And yes, we want to look out for the rest of the world. And we, we care about the animals and we want to put foods in our body that are that are healthy for us. But like, I don't know if that label suits me today. So maybe they'll be a little messed up because of it. But I, I suggest, you know, sticking with something so that they can hold on to it. So we talk about it a lot in the family. And, you know, she just knew that we were going down there because we wanted to tell the government to help farmers make more plant foods and get more plant foods at affordable prices into other households in Canada. And that's really important to us as a family. And, you know, she went with that and she doesn't like to know that animals are being harmed or anything like that. So she was all for it. She held up her little sign. And I'm also not the one to threaten or bribe my kids with ice cream. But our friend Amy did mention to her that she would try her hardest to find ice cream for her that day, no matter what. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't a behave or you won't get it. But um, she knew that something good was going to come out of it for her as well right yeah a little incentive never hurt anybody (laughs) exactly (laughs) well and thankfully there were vegan cookies there so that probably helped as well yeah she loved giving them out Um, well it's interesting we're we're talking about this because i know sarah's been
been vegan for a while. We both went vegetarian like 27 years ago together. And I went vegan quite a while ago. And then Sarah kind of jumped on board more, I'd say, when she started working with me at Jacked on the Beanstalk. But it's been a bit of a struggle for her in getting her kids on board because they associate vegan with weird Aunt Sam's weird vegan food. And so how do you deal with that, Sarah? And and maybe Shoshana could shed some light on. Yeah, I actually, there was something you said in the beginning that was interesting to me where you're talking about how when you first started transitioning and how your kids would still eat meat at grandma's and that kind of thing. And I find that's kind of one of the biggest challenges is when you're trying to transition your children, you know, how do you how do you replace grandma's famous meatballs or or something that's sort of been one of their favorites? And for some reason, I thought your children were a lot younger, but your daughter's probably of the age too, where she kind of she wants to fit in and and, you know, try new things and see what her friends are doing that kind of thing. How do you approach those kinds of struggles? So Jordan can't remember eating meat, Um, she could remember eating egg and dairy. So they stayed vegetarian longer than I did. And they came to us one day. And Adam says, I paint this beautiful picture. But that specific day was a beautiful picture. The rest of it's pretty ugly. But they literally came to me and they said, Mommy, we don't want to eat eggs anymore. We don't like it. We don't like that it comes from chickens. And we don't want to eat it anymore. And I was like, okay, but then you have to eat beans and you have to eat other things to make up for that. And they were like, okay, now that sounded great then. But then the beans came to the table and they were like, oh, what's this? Get it out of my face. But that day it was a beautiful picture. So they held on to it longer. She can't remember eating eating the meatballs or anything like that. Russ probably can't either because they've been vegan, I'd say for about four years and then vegetarian for a bit, like a couple of years before that. So um, so they were pretty young when it first started. I would tell their friends, parents when they go for play dates, you know, they can have this, they can't have that. And they'd say, okay, okay. And then there was one parent who said, okay, okay. And then I picked Jordan up and she had like yogurt all over her shirt. And she goes, oh, she only had fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, okay. And as soon as we got in the car, I'm like, what else did you eat? She's like, oh, they gave me yogurt. Clearly, it wasn't vegan yogurt or they would have told me about it right like the mom was trying to hide it from me but at that age it didn't really matter isn't it horrible she never went back they have a really nice dog because, because people don't associate veganism as like an allergy or a food sensitivity you know even though to us accidentally eating something that comes from an animal like that is a bit traumatizing for us but to the average person it's like oh you're not allergic to it so give me a break but your poor daughter probably experienced some gastrointestinal issues that were not pleasant yeah and she but she thought it was vegan and I just kind of rolled with it you know I didn't want to upset her and then my son because he had the gluten allergy the parents treat his eating choices a lot differently because there is the allergy too. So they don't right. understand where that allergy extends to and doesn't extend to. So they'll go out and they'll buy like the veggie sticks and you know, they'll have things for him, which, which is beautiful. I mean, I'll always ask, do you want me to send something? And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they say no. But you know, Jordan will say sometimes all the kids at school are eating this can I have it too? And I'll say, well, there's eggs inside of that and dairy too. And that dairy's coming from the cow and the eggs are coming from the chicken. Is that still something that you want to consider eating? And she'll say no. And I won't 
do it in a way that's making her feel bad about it. I won't say you can't eat that because I'll say this is the ingredients in the product. Is this something that you still want to try? And to date, the answer has always been no. It hasn't been yes. I don't know what I'll do when I get to that yes. What I do and what I coach other people to do all depends on their personality, the children's personality, the values in the house, right? So it's all going to be individual for everyone. But in terms of those meatballs, you know, that my grandmother did make, maybe she still does. I don't pay attention anymore. You know, we took our almond sweet potato burger recipe that we have on our website, and we made them into little balls. And we just started making those for those holidays instead. And that's how we kind of got over that in the first place. So we make our own food look like that food. So how though did you even get to a point where you would just say, well, there's eggs in that or there's dairy in that? Like, did you literally tell the kids, well, an egg is a chicken's period. And, you know, like, I'm guessing like, the answer is no. Like, there. How would you even explain that to them? So we talk a lot about the animal's feelings. And if you think about stepping on an ant, I say to my kids a lot, would you like a giant to come out of the sky and smush you so that you couldn't come home to the house? And they're like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's kind of what you're doing to that ant right now. And they'll make their decision for themselves. So, you know, when we talk about chickens, we talk about how they don't live under very good circumstances, how they're pulled away from their daddies or their brothers or things like that, how they don't get to go outside and run and play with their friends they have to stay inside and make eggs you know we we do whatever is age appropriate we talk about the baby cows being pulled away from their mummies and not getting to play with their mummies and how milking a cow you know really hurts the udders of the cow and not only are they emotionally distraught because they don't have their babies anymore but you know someone's pulling on them and, and getting milk every single day so that we could drink it when really it's meant for the babies so whatever is age appropriate for your children without painting a picture that's going to give them nightmares right. is, is really the way to go because then they can make informed decisions themselves. It's not just a rule. Don't jump on the couch, right? If you jump on the couch, you might fall off and bang your face on the side of the coffee table, which might result in stitches. Are you sure you want to jump on the couch right now? Probably going to say no. Right. <laughs> okay. And actually, this brings me to question. Uh, we just took on a new client who has also asked me to help her son with nutrition and, and how to get her young son jacked on the beanstalk because he's quite skinny and apparently he's getting picked on at school for being vegan. Now, he is 14. It's not like you're you're pumping up a you know nine-year-old yeah But do you have any advice for this family on dealing with bullies or negative comments from other kids at school on like, is this something that you've encountered with your kids at all? Or would you say nowadays, most people are pretty open minded, just like, I think it's really cool. You know, when you see kids today, they're not really bothered by transgender or, or kids who know they're gay at a young age. And I wonder if maybe it's similar with the the whole vegan diet. Unlike when I was a kid, I was always the weird vegetarian. Yeah, so some people are really awesome, they get it. Other people are just either stupid or ignorant, and just haven't made their way through. And then some people will just it doesn't matter if you're vegan, or if you're gay, they're gonna find somebody to pick on for some reason anyway, right? So kind of depends on who you're dealing with. Russell's 10. So last year, he was nine. And he had a boy at school who would literally take his deli meat out of his sandwich, 
put it in front of his face and wiggle it and say, meet, 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 meet. And then, you know, find him in the hallways and go meet, meet, meet. And this was also a kid who he enjoyed playing with. So like they would have play dates too. He was just acting like an ass. So that was an issue for us. So yeah, definitely we had to deal with it. It's going to kind of differ depending on age and, you know, the type of children that you're dealing with. But number one, it's important for parents to be involved, but to a certain extent. So just because that's happened once, you don't run screaming bully to the principal's office because bullying is something in itself. Like there's a definition for bullying. It needs to be ongoing. It needs to be unwanted behavior. There's all these things, but it's really important for parents to know what's going on. So number two, you need to give your child a voice to advocate for themselves. You need to teach your child to say, I don't like that please stop that. If that doesn't work, you need to teach your child to go themselves to some adult in the school who they feel comfortable with, whether it's the teacher or the social worker or someone in the office or the principal, let your children advocate for themselves. And then if it still becomes chronic and it doesn't go away, then you can go marching in, but try to come from a place of facts and not a place of emotion. Because after being a teacher for so many years, I know what it's like to be on the other side of the coin. Not all the teachers are in the classroom during lunchtime. So if the teacher doesn't know about it and you're just shouting at them for not doing anything about it you're not going to get them on your side you need to come to them and say this is what my child has been telling me can you investigate into it further can you take a look out have you heard about it before and then work with them from there you need them as your partner because if they're not your partner you're not going to get very far and you're not going to be helping your child out yes and I love that you mentioned this actually because when I was growing up my mom tended to be that like very protective mother hen and as soon as I was bullied in any way she you know would instantly put the guard up and I'm gonna protect my child no matter what and as a very shy child that actually made me embarrassed and I would start to not tell my mom about being bullied because I didn't want her to to react like that so I think what you said is very important about empowering the child and listening to them and teaching them how to deal with it themselves first and foremost before you get the school authorities involved. And I think because bullying is such an issue nowadays, it's sort of a very serious thing that everybody considers very serious. How many times can I say serious? Serious, serious, um, serious. <laughs> no, but I feel like the teachers are always sort of, regardless of what the issue is, they want to work with the parents and they want to make sure that all the kids in their class are happy happy and getting along and comfortable and that kind of thing. So I feel like that's really good advice. And it's probably going to be well received as well when you go into the classroom. Yeah, being on both sides of it, it's definitely worked in my favor. All right. So what are some of your go to healthy vegan kid approved meals that are also simple and easy to make for people like Sarah who hate cooking and kind of suck at it? Okay, so my favorite meal to make is wraps. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah, wraps? there's hope for you. There's hope for you. No, I, I feel like I have like this, you're like my kindred spirit or something. Like as soon as you started talking in the beginning where you're like, I didn't cook, I had to learn how to cook. I was like, okay, I can relate to this woman. Yeah. I spent the first 10 years of my relationship with Adam, like even before we were married, pretending that I couldn't cook so that 
that he would cook all the time. And then I realized that I did myself a huge disservice because then I actually couldn't cook and I had to learn from scratch. Um, (laughs) Damn it. I wish I had thought of that with my husband. Yeah. So wraps are definitely a no cooking, amazing tool to use. You could make rice, you can make quinoa, you can make millet, you can make whatever you want. You could freeze half of it and save it for another time so you don't have to clean that dreaded rice cooker again and cut up vegetables or buy shredded carrots and baby spinach and cut up some tofu and fry that up or just a can- open a can of black beans or make your own black beans and just put a whole bunch of food on the table and let everybody make their own. So if you have one kid who gags when they eat black beans, but they're fine with kidney beans, then they have a choice. It's not something pre-made. Everybody can make their own and you could put amazing healthy foods into it. Always some kind of leafy green, always some kind of bean, always some kind of grain and some other colors. We want to get as many rainbow colors in throughout the day as possible. So cabbage or carrots or beets or anything else that you want to put in there. And it's really doesn't take very long. And then two days later, you have the all the leftovers again, and there's really nothing to prepare there at all. So that is my favorite meal. And what about condiments on those? Like, are there go-to sauces that your kids actually like and can disguise the texture of beans or tofu if they're not into it? My kids hate the texture of sauce. (laughs) (laughs) They just like... Yours are the opposite, right? They hate... They want everything dry. Like Russell will put ketchup on his burger. Jordan will put some tamari on her burger. But in their wraps, they have really good palates. They taste the vegetables. They taste, you know, whatever they're eating. They don't need much else in there. Now, we did start that off with like literally three beans. And then it went to like six. And then it went to nine. And now we could put like a tablespoon or two, you know, like a a decent size. So don't think that you need to start that off like right where we are now, start where you are. If it takes one bean, start with one bean. And people say, Shoshana, what good is one leaf of spinach in my kid's smoothie? Or what good is one bean in my wrap? And I'll explain that their palate needs to get used to it. They need to get used to the texture. They need to get used to the idea. And once they're used to one, they'll get used to two, they'll get used to three, they'll get used to four. And eventually it will be significant. But if you don't start somewhere, you're never going to get to that significant place. Yeah, that is a great tip. Yeah, I really like that. So, okay, when you're making their lunches for school, what do those usually look like? So I love to concentrate on breakfast and dinner because that's what I can see them eating. That's what I can control. I don't like to use that word, but that's what I can control a little bit more. Lunches, you never know what's going to fall on the floor. You never know what they're going to trade with their friends or put in the garbage. Um, (laughs) So I don't put as much emphasis on the lunch. They get sandwiches quite often, hummus sandwich, or occasionally a nice slice of vegan cheese, but not the cashew kind because we can't send nuts to school. They'll get pizza that I make at home on their pizza day. So all the other kids are eating pizza. They'll get pizza too. Sometimes they'll get leftover rice with beans. What Um, is your pizza that you send with them? So I love the Odo's pizza kits. I don't get paid by them, but I'm saying it anyway. (laughs) I love the Odo's pizza kits. They're gluten-free. They're perfect size. And Russell loves broccoli or spinach on it. Jordan loves green olives. I don't even need to put cheese on it anymore. It's literally like bread with vegetables and tomato sauce. And I make that at home. I make three or four for each of them at a time. I cut them up into four pieces, stick them in a Ziploc or in containers. And every Monday, I just throw one of those into their lunchbox. And Monday's lunches are just done. So that's how I do it. I like to keep it gluten-free for Russell. Occasionally, if we've ordered pizza like the night before or we had leftovers, I'll stick that in the freezer and I'll use that too. But normally I'm making it myself, but not from scratch anymore. I used to do that before I had a business. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and actually, you're the second person, Nadej, a vegan bikini competitor, was on our podcast recently. And she was telling me that Odo's bagels have awesome macros. So I'm going to have to investigate and I'll link this up in the show notes for this episode. Apparently, Odo's is where it's at for vegan healthy food. You need to um, you need to toast it, though. Make sure you toast it. Okay, cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Who is the average subscriber? And if our subscribers want to head on over to the Plant Trainers podcast, what might they expect to learn about? So we are, we're more of a family show. I know you guys aren't too bad, but I know you, you're like, oh, listen to this episode. And on the way home from Ottawa, we were listening <laughs> and you started talking about queefing. And my daughter's <laughs> like, what's that, mom? <laughs> yeah, she, so. <laughs> yeah, she has no clue, Shoshana. It's awful. <laughs> anyway, we love to have fun. We're, but we're a family show. It's a little bit cleaner. Basically, what we wanted to do is we wanted to help people improve their quality of life through plant-based nutrition and fitness. We do touch on a lot of other vegan aspects and a lot of other health aspects as well. But because we were parents, we were trying to grow as individuals and be as healthy as we could as individuals. But sometimes that's harder when you have children and you have other commitments. So we wanted to always find a way to bring it back to the family, not necessarily have every episode concentrated on family. It's definitely concentrated on you, the individual, but also remembering that it's really hard to prepare all this food when you also have soccer runs and all of these other things going on. So we thought that we were really appealing to people in their 30s and 40s who have children at home. But what we found through clients that come to us and listeners who are so nice to just send us an email and say, hey, we're listening because you never know who's listening on the other side. We have a lot of empty nesters, a lot of widows, a lot of divorcees, a lot of 20 somethings listening to and they're really enjoying the content. They're really enjoying the amazing guests that we have on. So it's kind of surprising who we thought was going to listen and who's really listening as well. Well, I was going to say, I'm a single mid-30s woman, and I really enjoy the interviews because they're always very health-oriented, and because you are a vegan podcast. I ain't got kids, but I still like it. I think that's what's funny, too, is Sam and I have found that as well. You know, we sort of imagine our audience as a certain type of person, and then you'll have this much older woman be like, oh, I love your podcast, and we're trying to... She loves talking about queefing. Yeah, we're trying to imagine her listening to... To like queefing and farting and we're well, just and like we okay have like a guy who's works for the royal canadian mint as an engraver and says he thoroughly enjoys listening to our podcast while he's engraving the coins <laughs> i hope he doesn't laugh too hard because then they yeah. come out shaking <laughs> or queef too yeah. hard <laughs> think can, about can that the next time you're using a loony <laughs> Okay, so uh, with the families that you work with in the coaching business, what would you say is their biggest struggle with going vegan and why would they hire you to help them? So a lot of people just don't know where to start and don't know what to do and they're scared of losing their hair and their teeth falling out and their eyeballs hanging down. People are just scared of not getting the nutrition right. And what I do goes beyond just the nutrition. I'm not diagnosing. I'm not saying let's take this herb for this. I'm doing lifestyle. I'm teaching you not only what to eat, but how to manage that in your daily life, how to get movement in there too, how to manage your relationships with people around food and stress levels. And I guess because I've been so open about my PTSD, talking about it on my show in different shows, people have been tending to come to me lately with a lot of emotional issues, and they want to learn how to thrive with their mental illnesses the way that I am. So it, it's actually been surprising how that's taken a turn where we are looking at nutrition, we are looking at movement, but we're also looking at mental health as well. Mm-hmm. 
which is so important for yeah. sure. I'd say the most important aspect of optimal health. And then of course, everybody's really just worried about when they have those kids who are still at home, it's how are they going to get their kids to be on board too? And how do they not ruin their relationships with their children over the food that they're putting down on the plate? So if you could change one thing about modern day North American families, diet related or not, what might that be? That's a big question to answer before I've had my coffee in the morning and I don't drink coffee. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> but I think what's really important is for people to really take time to think about what their values really are. And people need to slow down and they need to strengthen their relationships inside their family. Make sure that you're eating together as a family. Make sure you know what you really want. And, you know, maybe that Tesla is never going to come, but maybe you're going to have better relationships with your children and maybe that's worth it. So maybe working a few less hours, maybe not doing soccer eight times a week and just doing it three. Slow life down because if you're not getting out of life what you really want, then all these other things aren't really going to matter. And that's going to allow us to take more time in the kitchen to choose our meals better to not eat on the run and have a window diet. You know, these are the kinds of things that are going to help us be better people and help our children to grow up to be more responsible, sustainable adults, and the world's going to be a better place. Good answer. Like yeah, and that actually sparks me to wonder who inspires you? You know, I don't have that one role model that like I really, really look up to. Sometimes I'm a bit of a scatterbrain. So everything's kind of scattered. But Adam has just been my rock, you know, through my PTSD, through this whole transition, bringing us to where we are today. He just when he knows that he needs to do something, he just shows up and he does it. So that's quite inspiring. And there's a lot of podcast guests that we've had on like Brenda Davis, who is just so mm -hmm. smart. And she explains things so well. And she's unapologetic about it. And she's just, you know, she just knows everything or, you know, Michael Greger, who's got, you know, nutritionfacts.org and has got everything out there. And then Dr. Khan and Dr. Davis, who are just plant based badasses on television all the time, challenging all the people out there who are skewing information and trying to get the masses to follow them for no reason whatsoever other than fame and fortune. I look up to them because I want to have a little part of that. I want to know that I'm making a difference and that I know some information too, and that I'm helping people to really make changes in their life. Yeah. So what is your favorite podcast then? My favorite podcast? Well, that's hard. So there's three that I listen to on a regular basis. I listen to Rich Roll. I listen to Lewis Howes. And that's more from a development stage for myself than yeah, for actual plant-based. And then from a business point of view, actually, I listen to Tara Newman, The Bold Revolution. I just find them like big people who are helping everybody. And I listen to them for various reasons, for my own health, for my own business, for my own self. But also I get a lot of good podcasting ideas just by listening to them too. Now, you forgot to mention Jack and on the Beanstalk. Ja and so that's what I was going to next. And Jack on the Beanstalk because I laugh my head off. <laughs> right. Yes, but but yeah. not with my children in the car. <laughs> yeah. Where else do you hear about queefing? Yeah, I haven't really heard about it since I was like 18. I've heard that laughter is the best medicine. Yes, so. this is true. As is queefing. All right. Well, I know, Shoshana, you've got to get going. And we really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. So uh, we will link up all of those favorite podcasts of yours. And of course, link to the Plant Trainers podcast on the show notes of this episode. But how can our listeners get in touch with you? 
we are having a lot of fun on Instagram right now and we interact ourselves with everybody who comments. So you can find us at Plant Trainers on Instagram and Plant Trainers on Facebook as well. Our website is planttrainers.com. So there's two T's in there. And so grateful for you having me on the show today. And you guys are doing a great job. You are inspiring. So keep up your good work. Love it. Thank you so much. And you keep queefing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go do that right now. All right. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this interview. Go follow Shoshana and Adam. Oh, I also liked how she said hummus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Yeah, hummus. Actually, sometimes I Google myself. I don't know if you do it too, but I was Googling the Plant Trainers podcast and I saw that somebody had written a whole review of like their top three favorite plant-based podcasts. And they said, the only thing that they don't like about our podcast is when I say hummus. (laughs) They said it must be a Canadian thing. Interesting, because that's one of the things I enjoy the most. I'll say it just for you. Yes, please do. And I'll actually be on the Plant Trainers (laughs) podcast in the very near future. So let's try to throw hummus out there as much as possible. Yes, instead of queefing. All right, well, since this week's episode is running pretty long, we will save you guys from hearing the iTunes review of the week this week. But I will, however, remind each and every one of you and kindly ask that you please keep those reviews coming in. Seriously, guys, they really help to bring us new subscribers, which, of course, greatly helps our ratings in iTunes and allows more people to find us and fall in love with us. So don't we all want that? I love you, Sarah. Why why are you? saying that i don't know it just just came on i it's a family episode we're family oh well i guess i love you too then thank you and on that note what song will we be singing to conclude this week's podcast on vegan families and shoshana Chaim? can you tell i'm trying to say the last name as much as possible yeah use it it's the only chance you got this song i have considered many times because the meaning would have worked for many topics we discussed including the one about Mm self-love but i feel like the opening is perfect for an episode about children okay and what song might that be that would be whitney houston's greatest love of all i was actually thinking you were gonna say endless love what does that have to do with children don't you have endless love for your children yes but if you listen to that song it's clearly about two lovers true enough let us sing whitney houston the greatest love of all which oddly enough was one of my favorite songs as a child at about the age of seven i really really liked whitney houston before she became a cokehead yeah before bobby brown tainted her right which oddly enough i loved bobby brown yeah, you when were i was obsessed. about 13 yeah. sarah had quite the poster in our shared bedroom of Bobby Brown. Is he still around? What's he doing nowadays? I think he might be dead in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. And on that note, enjoy this lovely song about children. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. I believe the children are a future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. I decided long ago Never to walk in anyone's shadows. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I live as I believe. No matter what, 
they take from me. They can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest <laughs> love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of yeah, me. <laughs> I did enjoy that we were both clasping our fingers. Yes, yeah. And I'm sure my neighbors really enjoyed that yeah. one. I would give anything to know, like, what theories your neighbors throw around yeah. at you. With the vegan mobile, the pull-up tower in my living room, Belting out singing. weird songs. Yeah, just so everyone knows, I live right next to the elevator on the main floor. <laughs> So you guys are welcome. See all that we do for you. I'm known as a total fucking weirdo. <laughs> all for you. That is the greatest love of all. Mm, yeah. All right. Nice. Well, hope nice everyone enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share it with your kids. Don't do that, anyone. <laughs> and we will be back real soon. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Shorky sisters, out. I love myself today.